This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. What we often miss is the fear that comes up from our subconscious and is created by our belief system. Our world has increasingly become fear-based, but when we don't understand the sources of this fear, we can't heal them. We each hold collective fears, like dying in a pandemic and individual fears, many of which we aren't aware of because they arise from conditioning and deeply embedded beliefs. We are meant to live in joy, not in fear, Even if everyone around us is in fear, this doesn't have to be our personal experience. By taking us on a treetop journey through quantum physics, psychology, philosophy, spirituality, and more, a book on fear gives us tools and awareness to see where our fear comes from. When we see how our belief systems were created, how they limit us, and what we have become attached to that creates fear, we will come to know ourselves at a deeper level. Then we can make different choices to transform our fears. The end of each chapter includes a suggested simple exercise that can be done quickly, but that will shift the reader into an immediate higher state of awareness about that chapter's topic. Once we bring awareness to how we may have operated unconsciously before, we set out on the road to positive change. Author and entrepreneur Lawrence Duchin is someone who has experienced, processed, and released a great amount of fear. Allow him to guide you out of the fear tunnel and back into the sunlight. Valeria Tellez interviews Lawrence Duchin, the author of A Book on Fear, Feeling Safe in a Challenging World. Lawrence Duchin is an author, entrepreneur, and devoted husband and father. A survivor of harrowing childhood sexual abuse, he traveled a long journey of emotional and spiritual healing and developed an in-depth understanding of how our beliefs create our reality. In the business world, he has worked for or been associated with enterprises from small startups to multinational corporations. He is the co-founder of Huso Sound Therapy, which delivers powerful healing benefits to individuals and professionals worldwide. In everything Lawrence does, he strives to serve a higher good. Meet Lawrence at lawrenceduchin.com. Here is the interview with Lawrence Duchin. 
in your own words, who is Lawrence Duchen? Uh, well, I'm an author. I'm an entrepreneur. I am a servant of God and life. I'm a father, devoted father and husband, and try to be a very kind and helpful and growing individual. So God and religion, spirituality, we talk a lot about these subjects here. So my first question to you is what, where, and who is God? Uh, wow, I've not had that question. God is, uh, God is, is us. God, we are one with God. So God, we're not separate from God. I think that's the most important thing that we have to realize because all of what appears to be troubles in the world comes from a belief that we are separate from God. So we are, to me, God is spirit. God is, God is all. God is consciousness. God is creation. God is truth. God is love. Um, and we, ha we are also all of those same qualities. I love that idea. I mean, it um, resonates with the heart, what I know to be true, that God is everywhere and it's not separate from anyone. So I'm wondering why we choose not to believe that. Would you say it's because of, I mean, it's due with fear, I know, but another thing that I think about is the dark side or the less developed side of ourselves. Do you think that this is the reason why we create this disconnect? I think that there is a, uh, there there is definitely a uh, dichotomy here, or a polarity here between what we what we call good and evil, and that's that's a long-standing thing. And but I also see, but everything, even what we call evil, is divine. It's just it's just ignorance of the divine. So we come here, and we come here to in a place of for, uh, to forget so that we can then remember. And that's what we're all being pushed to do right now, both on a individual and collective scale, is to wake up and remember who we are as divine beings. So another question I often ask is, did we choose to come here in a human body and forget that essence of love? I think we did because basically we are that that's part of you know this is a this is a, partly a a play it's a game it's a it's a it's a school of learning and and the way that we've set up the school of learning is to forget and then to have joy and holiness and just everything amazing as we remember that that's the the part of remembering is what makes us is is what's so amazing and we're doing it in this 3D reality where we have senses and where we can connect with other quote parts of god you know nature and other individuals and and so they're all one but they also appear separate from us and so as we we awaken to our divinity we embrace all of that uh, paradox. It's, it's a big paradox. And so yeah, to answer your question, yes. How did you come to these um, deep understandings about God and about life in yourself? And another follow-up question is, is that a belief system or a knowing? Well, I think that uh, to answer your question first, uh, we move from a belief system to a knowing. Uh, because when we are 
when, when, you, when you talk about a belief system, belief systems change. They're changing every moment. We just don't recognize – most people don't recognize that. But you, anybody can say – they can look back and see how their beliefs were different, you know, a day before, uh, a year before, 10 years before, and see how they evolve. So anything that's like a belief is not permanent. It's something that is just a vehicle for us to – to remember who we are. And when you have a believer, when you, ha- when you talk about a believer, you're also talking about something to be believed in. So mm-hmm. that's obviously right. a believer in something separate from you that already, sure. that is duality right there. Right. So when we move into a space of consciousness where basically our beliefs, uh, where, you know, it's really a space of consciousness. I believe Jesus, let me say, that, say it this way. Jesus lived in a space of consciousness where he did not have any beliefs. Right. He just knew his oneness. Mm-hmm. And when he asked for something from that space of oneness, it was granted. So that's what we're doing is we're moving, we're all evolving from a space of a belief system to a space of knowing. And the, those who are most hardened in their belief system are the ones who are most in fear. And to, to, to answer the second part yeah. of your question, I'm sorry, the first part of your question. So basically, you know, I, the way that I, I was pretty much asleep. I, I was sexually abused by my mother when I was going through puberty, and that had a very transformative experience on me in terms of coming out of that experience with a lot of fear, guilt, shame, mm-hmm. anger. Uh, I went through a very uh, intense emotional and spiritual healing process in my 30s and in my 40s and even i mean still you know it's being i'm still being polished as of today yeah. so we are um you know i didn't i just i think this is what i chose obviously and and the, and the, the sexual abuse was actually a vehicle for that for that uh healing to come about so in a way you're also saying that we choose the awakening experiences Yes, for sure. Because as I was working through the um, the emotional, working through all of the the threads that came off of the uh, emotional uh, healing from the sexual abuse, I was also working through things related to God. For instance, I had a lot of guilt over what happened with my mother, and then that was my vehicle for working through guilt that ha- that I had related to my experience with God. Right. Because collectively, we live in a place. You know, and I'm not saying that every single person walking the planet has this, but obviously a very large majority are coming from a place of guilt and a belief that God is a punishing God that that we've sinned. And this is something that even if you don't believe in God or in religion or anything, spirituality, anything like that, you're still in the collective that believes this. And so that that is what we have to divest ourselves of so that we know that we have not sinned, that we are you know, holy, divine beings, and that we are co-creators with God. My other warm-up question is freedom. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? Freedom is a is being in a place where you're not in judgment, uh, and you're and you're and you're in a place that's both self-judgment and judgment of others, which are basically the same. But also, freedom is also being in a place of compassion and love. And and being in the now, uh, I'm experiencing the now more and more on a very constant basis, and it's just a place of amazing freedom and joy and love, you know. And and you, and fear cannot fear cannot be present in that place. 
Going back to the idea of belief systems and spirituality, do you see a difference between religion and spirituality? I do, because religion is a type of structure that it's kind of like a a garden hose, and you're trying to put a huge amount of water through a garden hose, and there's only a certain amount of water that can travel through that garden hose. And so the the beliefs, the, the constructs that we've been given in religion, especially Western religion, about being a God being punishing God or sin and, and judgment and all, all of these things that are false, um, even though there are some positive, you know, we're told that God is love and, and there's other, there's other positives, but it's kind of like, um, a con it's like a construct. It's like the water hose that only a certain amount of water can flow through. So when you spirituality for me is more, first off, I define that is everything that they, that is because everything is spirit. This is not something that's spiritual and there's something that's not spiritual. Okay. Everything is spirit. And so we're just coming back to recognition of that. And when we do that, we are expanding ourselves basically to infinity, which is, which is oneness with all that is because God is infinite. And so you don't, you're not constricted by a water hose. You are, that water hose is infinite. Do you believe in reincarnation or some form of life after life? I believe uh, that, you know, the, uh, the terminology past lives is, uh, is, I think has become kind of, is, I don't like that term. And, I, and I'll tell you why, because it, it makes, first off, it, it makes it seem like things are linear and they're not. Okay. And it also, it also, these lives that we say that we have lived, um, are things that are with still within any, within the illusion. So when we, what I like to refer to it as we are multidimensional beings living many, maybe an infinite number of realities at the same time. So it's not linear. It's not, you know, like what I recommend to people is that, that they constantly expand their horizons in terms of how they look at, uh, how they look at everything. So, you know, I say, obviously look at how Jesus lived his life. Look at how, uh, you know, what he did and what he not believed, but what he knew, he knew his oneness. And we, we, maybe we can't get there today, but we know what we're reaching for. And so if we know that we are, if we're holding a, holding the knowing that we're a multidimensional beings living many realities, then we can kind of surrender to that and allow life to bring us to, to flow through us and bring us those awarenesses that we need to, uh, have so that we can live in that reality versus just this 3D, you know, ego-centered reality. And I also wonder, what are the signs? Are there specific signs once we are there, although there's no destination, but once we are aware and in that reality that's multidimensional, what are the signs, Mary? Well, I think that the first time that you that you're in the truly in the now and that you have a knowing of something of a greater self within you, you will know that 
it, it it is so it is so distinct from the other reality of the 3D reality that you're living in your mind that you will you will know that so but but the signs are basically you know it's just an immense amount of peace and joy and desire to be of service uh, and, and coming from an open heart uh, and 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 the desire to be of service we, we are so grateful to the creator to God, however you want to define that term for our creation, that, that when we truly open up, what we want to do is we want to be of service to others without anything, without anything. Uh, it's not without anything coming back to us because we get a lot back in terms of the joy. It's like, it's like a loop, but it, without any, um, without anything needing affirmation of our worth that we've done something for somebody else, because that's a false kind of service. A, a true kind of service is the service that you do when nobody else knows about it. It's just you and God and maybe that other person or maybe that other person doesn't even know about it. Maybe you're praying for somebody or maybe you just, you know, maybe you just smile at somebody in the grocery. Service can be very simple. And in this in this 3D reality, we try and make it like this big old thing, you know, whatever. And then all this dogma and structures get put on it and service is, you know, look at what, look at what mother Teresa did. I mean, did that service. So it doesn't have to be anything big. So that's the construct of the ego mind, right, Larry? That's the construct of the ego mind because the, the ego mind is always looking for something to affirm its worth. Um, and, and, and it's a very, the ego mind is very judgmental. It's very scared. It's, um, you know, it, but it, it's also an important tool here because we live in a 3D reality. We need a personality. We need, you know, we need to be able to logically think through things, but it's meant to be like a hammer that you pick up and you put back down. Unfortunately, as we know, the large majority of people live in their ego mind all the time, and that's the only lens through which they see the whole world. And that's very that's very sad. And that, that's the way that I, I operated for a very long time. And that's very sad because there's so much richness in this life, what's available to us. And if we're just we're chasing trinkets that are, have no worth and God has given us the kingdom inside of us. Um, and we just need to stop chasing the trinkets. We need to take a look at our false beliefs. We need to, you know, we, we have to want to heal. We have to want to remember. We have to want to, you know, come into a knowing of our unity because that is why we're here. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're here for that purpose. Another question that I often ask is why so many of us choose not to go deeper and to awaken? Well, I think it's definitely, it's a normal human reaction, which is a reaction, resistance to pain and suffering. <laughs> Actually, suffering suffering is a resistance to pain, but nobody likes to feel, I mean, we just, we don't like to feel pain. We don't like to feel sadness. And, but that's a part of life. I mean, God gave us you know, we're, we're going to be sad at times. We're going to be angry at times. These are God-given emotions. And so most people, you, you can see in the world how all of these hacks, you know, it's whether it's like uh, antidepressant medications or trying to do some kind of, you know, neurofeedback hack on the brain or whatever so that you're never feeling sad. Well, that's not how we're meant to live here. That's not practical. And you're going to, unfortunately, mess yourself up a lot by trying to do that as opposed to just 
allowing life to flow through you. And that's going to mean that sometimes you're very joyful. Sometimes you're sad. Sometimes, you know, you're peaceful. Sometimes you're angry. I mean, it's just, you know, and, but then we have to, we have to bypass judgment. We can't judge those states within us. So it's really, you know, it's really talking about seeing our beliefs. We see our beliefs by seeing our emotions and reactions, you know, and, and then realizing where we're triggered and then, we see the beliefs behind those triggers, and then we see the conditioning, both societal and individual conditioning, that cause that and say, oh, that doesn't serve me mm-hmm. because it's, it's created all these dysfunctional relationships or it's done whatever, and that doesn't serve me, and I'm going right. to drop that. So basically work, and it might not be just fear that most people don't do that, don't awaken, but because of the work that it re- requires. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, but what I would say to people is that you are in a prison cell of your own making. And your choice is, do you want to stay in that prison cell of your own making? Because you think you're joyful, you know, but you're not really joyful. I mean, you you, you get it's an ego joy. You get, you know, if your sports team wins, you're you're joyful. But when they lose, you're depressed or you lose, you know, life just tosses you around like a rag doll. So do you want to be like that or do you want to be where you have a center of joy and peace all the time? And is that possible, Larry, to be peaceful and joyful all the time? I, I definitely think it is. Uh, I'm not there, but I, but I know I, I'm there a lot, and I know it yeah. is. And so when we talk about let's when we talk about like being sad, yeah. you know, let's say an animal passes or a person we love passes, or we're sad for the world because so many people are you know doing things that are not in their best interest and best interest of a whole, or we're sad for Mother Nature because it's being, you know, pillaged or whatever. Yeah. We can still we can be sad. Or we can be angry, but we can still that undercurrent of joy is always still there underneath that because that joy comes from knowing our unity and knowing, you know, that we're part of creation. Well, it's not a belief system. It's a knowing that there is a place that knows that's where the inner peace comes from. Right. I mean, and, and it's really, you know, it's a knowing and it's also an experiential thing. I mean, it's basically, and it's an experiential thing more than what we experience as a, uh, in a hu- human body. It's, it's like at a soul level, you know, and, and it's the perfect merging of the soul and, and the human. And that's why we're here. That's, that's the experience we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. You know, there were people, um, there's a, you know, a number of reports for people who were in concentration camps in, in the world war two, who were some of the most joyful people ever, because it's, you know, it's how you, it's how you view things. We might call that a miracle or magic. Yeah. I think, I think a big part of, a big part of uh, of joy, finding your joy, is basically not fighting life. Most of us fight life, okay, instead of just flow with life and to accept that there that life is going to take care of us and that it's going to flow us to something probably much much better than we could ever imagine. So we need to get out of our heads and just get in our hearts and just flow, you know, flow with life. It doesn't mean that we're not angry, initially angry about something that happens if it's, you know, if it's a hard circumstance or whatever, but we can be a victim or we can be a warrior. And we can, as a warrior, we can know that we are, um, that life is going to take care of us and that we're part of this amazing unity of creation and that there's so much joy in that. 
So how did you become a writer? And what was the intention of writing your book, a book on fear, feeling safe in a challenging world? Well, I didn't. I obviously I did not set out to be a writer. I, I think that was obviously a God-given gift for a purpose. So, uh, and I didn't. You know, I've written several books before, but I this book was. I started getting what I call like a major download um, in. August of 2019, and a friend of mine—I wasn't a, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine who's very uh, in tune with the divine—told me I needed to go ahead and write this book. And and I wasn't sure if, if you know, I thought it was gonna be two books, one book. I wasn't sure what the topic was, and then, and somebody may think that I put this out like for the pandemic or whatever, but I didn't actually. Um, you know, I, I realized in January a year ago that this was supposed to be a book on fear. It's like, oh, just one day, oh, okay, this is supposed to be a book on fear because, like, I'm kind of an, I consider myself kind of an expert on fear because I've, I've processed a huge amount of fear. I'm like, okay, I'm a pretty good person to write this book, you know, and so, you know, it was very divinely orchestrated. Um, and, and I'm grateful that, you know, it's, I, I got. I'm grateful. I got out of the way on this book much more than I did on previous books, and and, and the book to me is is has a very strong energetic coming through there, and I'm grateful for that. Would you say that intuition, the voice of God, the divine force, it's all the same thing, really? Or yeah, I, I think I think it is, and I think it also ties into the heart coming from an open mm, heart, yeah. b being in being in the now. These these are all intertwined. So uh, fear, you write, yeah, you do write really well about fear. I do have some questions here, perhaps not too many though, because you have explored a lot that topic. But you say what we often miss is the fear that comes up from our subconscious, and it is created by our belief system. Um, and you wrote more than that, of course. So I guess my question is about the hidden fears. So how do we learn to recognize them from moment to moment? Yeah, good, good question. So, you know, the first thing we have to do is we have to uh, want to recognize them. <laughs> and right. there's a right. lot of people who we talked about don't want to heal. So, you know, but you have to say, okay, my life is not serving me in some purpose. So I want to discover these hidden fears. And so there's, you know, there's fears that we hold collectively and there's fears that, that are individual and our individual fears are very different based on, uh, especially, uh, childhood conditioning, or it could be a workplace conditioning, you know, abusive situation, certainly societal conditioning we take on to different degrees. And then there's also intergenerational trauma, that's been shown that, uh, that, that gets passed on the DNA. So to answer your question is, you know, most, a lot of these hidden fears are ones that are buried really deep because we're afraid to take a look at them. And we think that they're going to really, there's a part of us that thinks they're going to kill, kill us if we have to, if they come out in the open, somebody else finds out about them. But some of these fears are, you know, let me say, a surface fear might be somebody might recognize like uh, I'm afraid that I'm not going to have a significant other. Okay, the the underlying fear to that may be I'm afraid that I'm not lovable or worthy. Okay, so but there's a lot of other fears. Like for instance, I had I've, as an abuse victim, I had a fear uh, that I would lose would not be in control of situations. That still affects me a little bit. 
Um, that's a big thing for abuse victims because that keeps them safe. We also have fears, hidden fears, like maybe not meeting our own or others' expectations. And then the big hidden, and some mostly hidden, but some people may be aware of this, but the big fear is what happens when we die, who are, who or what are we going to meet? So, you know, to be aware, become aware of these fears, um, again, you have to be aware of uh, how you're triggered. So you want to watch your emotions and reactions in certain situations. And you, usually we're not angry for the reasons we think. We're angry because of fear. We're angry because of guilt behind that. We're angry because of um, maybe grief or some, you know, sadness behind that. Carl Jung, who was the uh, father of analytical psychology, said that projection is one, one, one of the most common uh, phenomenons. So usually, you know, our, our judgment of others is a projection of our own self-judgment. Our blame of others is a projection of our own guilt. So if we can look at these situations where we're triggered and then say, oh, this is what's happening, this is my own self-judgment, or this is my fear or whatever, and then pull those projections back in, <clears throat> we've shown we've shown the light of awareness onto these these uh, projections and we've also signaled signal the universe that we want to heal these okay and then the universe will give us steps to heal those one of the ways we heal that is just is constantly witnessing you know mindfulness witnessing these reactions and pulling ourselves back into the present moment and witnessing the projections but certainly a lot of other practices these our beliefs and fears are are stored cellularly so a lot of other practices might be you know something like um, uh, meditation or yoga or dance or you know painting or um, anything that will help us to bring us in the body and pull us into the now. So for you, do you have one method that worked better than others that you would recommend first? You know, my, my, like my son told me the other day, he said, like, he said, you're the only, he's like spiritual based person or whatever that doesn't meditate. I, I meditated early on for a long time, but, but, uh, but I explained to him that, I I do my life as as a as a walking meditation. I'm constantly. I mean, even on this this podcast right now, you know, I can pull my attention back to the present, and it, and it's I can it's like it's like that base there, and then the, the the current of our discussion is on top of that. So I am constantly trying to witness myself and pull my attention back within me to the present moment and see you know where my uh, what's happening within me. And, th and that goes back to, I think it was Socrates who said, know thyself. Jesus said something like similar, know thyself. This is knowing thyself. And then when you become that, you become a master of yourself, and then you will not react from an unconscious place anymore. Or, or you, or you will, you uh, say it's not going to, it's not going to be black and white. You're going to react less from an un unconscious place, and at some point, you will not react from an unconscious place anymore. I love that idea too of becoming just mindfulness or meditation becoming this uh, a life practice. It doesn't have to be a moment in time. Yeah, and and that goes back to that goes back to separation. You know, the idea of duality or people going to church on Sundays and being with God, but the other part of the week they're not. This we have to. God is everywhere, and we have to see Him and know Him and know Him, Her everywhere. Okay, and so we need to be looking every everywhere, and then He, She will be talking to us 
in every type in so many different types of situations. So like, mm-hmm. you know, for me, nature is a big thing. Animals, you know, are communicating with me all the time. Mm-hmm. My dreams, you know, just every if, when you open up and you ask for it, you will be richly blessed. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to follow the steps. Is there such a thing as a state of mind that is fearless? That's one question. But the other one is about if there is a fear, a kind of fear that is healthy, actually. So let me answer the second part first. So to me, all fear is good because fear is a pointer. So Mm -hmm. there's certain some there's fears that are kind of what we call like buried in our DNA that are ancestral. So like when a, a growling dog is coming at us, we want to run or we want to take precautions or we, we want to walk on, on ice. We want to walk slowly, you know, or we don't want to jump off a bridge on a dare. Okay. We should be fearful of that. So there's certain fears that are based in us that are, that are productive for us, but the vast majority of fears that we hold are not uh, productive for us because they keep us in a prison cell of our own making. But I say that that fear is good because that fear is acting as a pointer to what's underneath it that needs addressing. Okay. So fear is not, listen, anything in the universe is not good or bad. It's just what it is and how it can serve us. And so fear is an energy and we can transform that into an amazing product for us that boosts our uh, creative abilities and gives us all this additional great stuff. But we got to transform it from how we see it and how we use it into something much better. And what was the first part of your question? I love that um, understanding. Was uh, fearless, if it is possible to become fearless. Absolutely. Uh, So obviously, we're not going to get rid of fear like a growling dog, and we don't want to get rid of that fear. Okay, but but on the other type of fear, absolutely, that's why we're here. Okay. And so that's what I want to encourage everybody that, that is definitely you can you can you can do this. I mean, what I've done is no different than than what anybody else can do or or anybody else is doing. You just have to want it. You know, you're yeah. you're we're all divine beings. We're like we have such amazing holy creative powers and 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 you know, God runs through each of us, expresses through each of us. There's nothing that we can't do, and that's exactly what Jesus told us. What a beautiful message. Thank you. So um, we're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you. Those are the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? I mean, the only thing that I would add is that this, I mean, life is is amazing and holy and it's hard as hell sometimes. (laughs) I mean, and it's basically like, and that's the way it's designed. I mean, it's going to be hard because we're being pushed. And so it's a lot easier to not resist um, and just kind of trust and go with the flow. And when we do, and one of the things that's very important for us to have on, for ourselves is have self-compassion. That's extremely important. That's almost the most important thing because then we're not judging ourselves and we can go through these healing processes much quicker. Yes. And I do often talk about write and talk about self-love. Do you connect those two terms, self-love and self-compassion? Or this? Yeah, actually, I think compassion is almost a higher form of love. It's definitely a higher form of love versus what we call the human love in this earth. Um, and, and I think divine love and, and, and compassion are inseparable. 
So the ending questions, uh, this one I'll ask you, success, how do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? So I think it's important to not divine, uh, define success by societal terms. So I define success not by societal terms, but how basically um, how I'll define it by how kind I am, how much uh, I react, how much I don't react from an unconscious place, how how uh, loving I am in my relationships, how present I am, how much joy I have in whatever I do. Those are the types of things that I define success that I can hold and I can do myself and there's nothing on the outside I have to have to do those things. What is another word for healing? Another word for healing would be truth. I've not had that question, so I, that's what comes to me, truth. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? Not at this point. I, I am I believe that I, I feel good about where I'm at in life and what I've done, and hopefully I'm here for a lot longer and I'll be being of service to others. But, I mean, the only thing I would do is make sure that I'm spending spending as much time with my family. If I knew I was dying in, in three months, I would basically just spend the time with my family. And the last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of today? I mean, this reality, not life in general. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, are talking about this reality, like this 3d reality or the, yes, the divine 3D in a human body. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we can't understand anything. <laughs> everything is, everything is gray. Okay. This nothing is black and white. Uh, we are, we're here and we are, uh, we're love. Hmm. Thank you so much again for your beautiful presence, elevated presence, the wisdom that you allow to run through you into others, the love, the peace. Thank you, Lawrence. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? So the book is available both in e-form and in print form on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, Apple, Kobo, all those online retailers. If you go to the, you can go to lawrenceduchin.com. So L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E-D-O-O-C-H-I-N.com. Um, and you can click to the Amazon link on there. You can also sign up for my email list, but you can also go to a book on fear.com and it, it will forward to my website. Wonderful. I'll have those links on the podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lawrence Duchin and his work, please visit lawrenceduchin.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye for now.